G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When Jesus was welcomed into the home at Bethany, it would seem that at first both Mary and Martha listened to what Jesus had to say. But later, Martha became distracted from doing so with much serving. Her attention shifted from listening to Jesus to preparing a meal. This is not something he asked her to do, but something she initiated. At the end of the passage, Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Since Jesus did not ask Martha to prepare a meal for him, she was driven by an inner need to do something for him. What is it that inspires you to do what you do from day to day? Are you eaten up inside by an overwhelming need to succeed? Or are you conscious of being led by the Spirit and empowered by His grace? Are you driven or drawn? The question we all need to answer from time to time is not so much what we do, but why we do it. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And welcome, Phil's my name, and we wrap up our conversation today on A Sound Mind. It's been quite an interesting week, Ken. It's a good question to uh, to finish the week on just there. Are we driven or are we drawn? Yeah, often, Phil, in the Bible, characters are placed alongside each other by way of comparison so that we can learn some truths that God wants us to know. For example, Cain and Abel, uh, Jacob and Esau, Saul and David. And here we've got Mary and Martha. So let's look at a few contrasts between these sisters. First of all, um, their responses draws out the difference between what we do being man-initiated or God-initiated. Now, faith is our response to that which God initiates on our behalf. If we respond to what God initiates, well, that's faith. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We get a word from God and we respond by faith. But some teach that their faith actually causes things to happen. Mm. Anything which doesn't originate with God but with us is actually not faith but presumption. So there are two kinds of people. There are those who have something to do, but there are those who have to do something. And those who have to do something uh, are driven. Mm, And that's the issue, isn't it? Who does the initiating? Yeah, and the next contrast that we see between Mary and Martha is the difference between rest or restlessness. See, whilst Martha invited Jesus into her house, Mary sat at his feet. Martha was taken up with service, but Mary was captivated by his word. And as Mary rested, listening to Jesus speaking, Martha was working. And probably getting quite cheesed off at Mary, I would think. (laughs) All this washing up to do or whatever. That's right. But the thing is, Phil, that we actually minister best from a place of rest. Now, I didn't mean to be a poet there, but we minister best from a place of rest. It wasn't that Mary was lazy. She did many things for the Lord, but they originated from knowing his will. Uh, She wasn't characterized, you could say, by inactivity, but by directed activity. For example, uh, later in the next chapter, we see that it was Mary who anointed the feet of Jesus with costly ointment. She was the only one in that room that discerned the importance of that occasion. You know, Martha was serving as usual. The disciples were arguing over 
which of them was the greatest. But Jesus was agonizing over the cross. And only Mary was spiritually attuned to the mm. significance of that mo- moment. And then she did what she did by anointing him, you know, with oil. And, 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 and Jesus said this, wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be noted about her. So it must have been an important thing that she was the only one that was really on the same page that he was on on that day. Mm. I like that thought that we minister from a place of rest. You know, we often think about being busy as the best place to minister from. What other contrasts are in there in this story? Well, I think another thing that we see is that um, there are those when they minister who, who seek man's approval, but there are those who minister who, and do so because they know they've got God's approval. See, Martha found tremendous personal fulfillment in her service, um, but that's where I, her identity was. When she performed well, she felt good, especially if others told her she did well. Mm. Um, but she needed the approval of others, and, and that's what drove her. But when things went wrong, she lost her peace and spat the dummy and blamed others. So Martha worked for approval and probably found it most of the time, but most times is never enough when your identity is tied up with your success. Yeah. Martha sought in her works that for which Mary already had. You know, Mary knew that she was already accepted by Christ and had his approval, and that's all that she needed. But what Martha had could be taken away from her, but what Mary had could never be lost. Mm. Another thing, okay, is that it's brought out here is the difference between knowing that you're sufficient or feeling that you are deficient. The philosophy of those who are drawn is very simple. They believe that God pays for what he orders. Uh, If God is the initiator of our works, then he will provide for us. On the other hand, the driven person feels that He's responsible for making things happen and he musters up all the resources he can lay his hands on, uh, including people. And uh, when others don't comply or they, they don't cooperate, then they get angry, you know, they get depressed. And that's what happened to Martha. When she saw that it was all going wrong, she started complaining and slipped into victim mode. Lord, it's not my fault, it's Mary's fault. She's not helping me. Tell her to come and help me. Yeah, it's what we talked about earlier in the week, that perspective of uh, drawing on the Lord and his resources rather than our own. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the last contrast I would bring out between these two sisters is that the driven person always feels compelled to drive others as well. You know, Mary, come on, you come and help me. So she kind of gets onto Mary's back and, and tries yeah. to get her involved and gets even Jesus to, you know, try to manipulate him to get Mary it to. It's a guilt trip on me. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the drawn person doesn't do that. You know, they're just resting in who they are, knowing that God will connect them to everyone that they need to make what he's called them to, to do happen. Mm. Well, I understand that you're uh, about to get poetic on us, Ken, um, to wrap this up and reinforce your point. You've got a poem. Yeah. Now, this poem uh, I came across, um, I was actually speaking at a conference and one of the other speakers uh, quoted this and I got it from the internet. It's by a man called Jim May, but I sort of played with it a little bit and, you know, did a couple of humorous things and added and detracted and so on. So this is what it, it's, I've come up with. It's called, It's Time to Get Back to Jesus alone. It's all to do with this whole thing about being driven or drawn. Oh, I'll give you life. When you can't remember the six secrets to an overcoming life, the seven indispensable laws of success, or the nine ways of love, or the 22 characteristics of a good wife or husband, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you hear testimonies of others raising the dead, praying all night, fasting 40 days, leading thousands to the Lord, and memorizing the entire Bible, and you hear it through someone who hasn't done any of it, It's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you get those emails that make you feel warm and fuzzy, and then you're told that if you don't send them on to eight other people, then you don't really love the Lord, so the warm and fuzzy feeling turns to condemnation because you don't have time because you 
actually have a life, well, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When a well-meaning friend gives you yet another prophecy from yet another unknown person from the World Wide Web who is absolutely certain that Jesus is coming back this year or no later than midway through next year, and so for this reason we need to clean up our lives, well, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you ask, how's it going at your church? And you know it means, ask me how it's going at mine, which you're going to be told about anyway. And you know that you're going to hear of a huge explosion of numbers, miracles, tongues, radio broadcasts, seminars, making you feel like a failure. It's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you have gone to your your fifth conference this year that claimed this is it, and you tried it and it didn't work, and the guy left town with your $200 and you can't get hold of him to ask why it didn't work, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you're told don't buy this product because the company worships Satan, or don't drink coffee, eat pork, drink wine, or watch TV, and you don't know now whether you're a Christian, a Jew, or a Mormon, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you hear, have faith, work hard, repent, conquer, tithe, give, suffer, evangelize, make disciples, walk in him, pick up your cross, claim your possessions, pray fast, and you feel poured in 17 different directions on a rack, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. When you can't figure out whether you're hanging on, pressing in, getting there, or breaking through, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. It is time to separate his commands from Christian demands. It's time to hear him speak the word. It's time to simplify. It's time for one step at a time. It's time to consider some lilies and birds. It's time for the secret place with him alone. Well, that brings us to the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.